Are you ready to take your team's volleyball game to the next level? On the Volleypod, we talk to top coaches who share their secrets for success on the court. From drills to build skills to strategy for boosting confidence, you won't want to miss this valuable advice. Tune in now and elevate your team's game today. Good morning, afternoon, I should say, and welcome to the Volleypod. How are you today, Todd? Davis, it's all good. I just got back from vacation and we can Kauai. Life oh, is man. good, you know. Now I'm back. It's rainy in San Diego. What's going on with the cold weather and rain? I thought people going, oh, you're from San Diego. It's just like Hawaii. <laughs> it's not just like Hawaii. No, it, it's been kind of crazy around here in uh, different weather than we're used to for sure. But we got a great episode. We're ready to talk some volleyball. All right, you're going to start with the skill today. What do we have? So I am on the skill. Today we're going to talk about closing the block. And, you know, this has been one of my most improved skills at teaching because I never played middle. I was a lefty, right? So I was always on the right side or setting. And um, this was something that I really had to get better at because um, it was not in my wheelhouse starting out. Um, and so I basically had to learn it all as a coach, you know, not through, as a player. And it actually kind of helped me. So the first thing we're going to talk about in closing the block is first of all, it's, it's a really hard job. So you want to, I'm going to stop you. Actually. Okay, please. I'm going to stop you. Sure. Should the block be closed? That's a great question. Before we get into maybe how to do it. I, I, th a lot of people aren't into doing it. Well, I'm kind of not into doing it either in some in some regards. And I'll, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Like, yes, you want to close the block if you're going to be balanced and mess up the hitter, right? If you're not going to be balanced and mess up the hitter, if you're going to give the hitter an advantage, you would rather get off the head and be a defender. Some people can't terminate with just okay, one blocker. I'm, I'm, I'm talking more about saying that if I'm a middle, I, it was actually, I think I mentioned this in another pod. We talked, I talked about Travis Hudson. Yes. And he had the blocking thing. Yes. I never tell my blockers to close the block. I'm going, Hey, I always tell my blockers right. to close the block. So it's kind of completely different philosophy. So I think it's something to, to think about, especially with swing blocking now mm -hmm. and this dynamic move, I've always been, Hey, let's get under control, get shoulder to shoulder, you know, I don't want extra seams. Right. Does it make sense to me? So I'm a close the block guy, but I think there is some, and I know you're a big swing blocker guy. And it's like, Hey, where, you know, put your hands where the ball's crossing the net. And if both, if both players are doing it right, then the block should be together. Well, and, and I kind of think both of those go together, right? It's like, I, I'm really interested to find out more about what Travis Hudson says about it, you know, cause I think he's outside the, the norm, you know, close the block is kind of the, Okay, well, let's, let's get to it. You know I'll, I mean? I'll so, let you go. But yeah. I didn't want to at least mention that. But I think that's. I think I'm always looking and going, hey, am I. Is this stupid to be telling him to close the block? <laughs> no, I mean, I think, look, my thing, my thought is a good closed block is better than an open block and it's better than a bad block, right? So ideally, especially with hitters that can score, you need two up, you need two solid blockers. That's kind of the premise I'm going with here. Got it. So uh, the first thing is the best middles are pattern recognition experts. So I think a lot of times you're going to talk about footwork. You're going to talk about speed and look how fast this person is closing. I've seen some 
relatively slow athletes close the block better than some fast athletes because of experience and pattern recognition and knowing what to look for. It's all that decision making. Yes. It gets back to decision making. Yes. And it seems like the more, you know, I'm everything I'm reading and studying now, it's hey, that's what determines the best players are those that can process information the quickest. Yes. And and a lot of times they've had they've had that information so long that it's not new to them. It's not novel. And so they don't take a long time to process yep. it. So experience goes a long way, but also like what to look at. If you're looking at the right things, you can slow the game down, yeah. you know? Um, so the first thing is pattern recognition. Second thing we, we want to play fast. It's a run. There's your team is setting a dart to the pin and we have to beat that ball out there. So we got to be moving. I really don't think when you have to go a long distance, shuffling is the way to do it. Now I will say shuffling is a great way to do it when you're close. Yeah. So one of the big things that I'm key on is give them a bunch of methods for how to close the block and then let them use whichever one presents themselves, pre presents itself in the game. Got right. It. So, um, we're going to talk about the eyes and what to look for. But I'll like, give you one quick shuffle sure. story. Yes. Terry Laskevich always tells his story. Okay. That I guess Elena Odin okay. was a shuffler. Oh, she's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so he would always, he would always tell her, no, you got to turn and run, Elena. You got to turn and run. And every time she got a stuff block shuffling, she would look over at Terry. He's like, hey. Did you like that block or not? <laughs> right. Well, and I also think longer you are, you can you can shuffle more, you know. And uh, also, the faster the balls are set to the pins, you don't necessarily have time for crossover. And, and the game is the game is changing. You see, right. It, right? You see a lot of the the big kids now taking that kind of little shuffle and kind of yes. one step, you know, one you know, shuffling to a, a jumping off one leg, yes. doing some just kind of creative stuff there. Exactly. And so let's talk about what some of these options are for like, once you recognize where the ball is going, what to do. Right? Okay. So um, we're going to call it the three-step swing block. Okay. We're going to go right, left, right, drive your arms and block over. You also have the three-step. So let's, let's make sure that, that we're being clear here because sure. if people are listening, I think I know what you mean, but so... We're talking about a middle going out to block the opponent's left side attacker. Yes. And so that right, left, right is for the middle blocker jab stepping with that right step yep. and then crossing with that crossover Inside step. cross to the left, right. right. And that's the three steps. The three steps. Got right. it. Okay. And so, Just to make sure we know. Well, and with there. an arm drive. Right. That's with the, the swing arm part. Right. right. And then the, the three step jump stop which is really common with a lot of high school teams where they'll go jab with the right foot inside cross to a jump stop. I'm calling that a three step. Okay. You know, because yep. it ends with the jump stop. Then you have the two step inside. And cross. now is, is the second one you just said, that's not a swing block. So that could, I, I wouldn't determine it as swing block because you're not go, you're swinging your arms into your jump. Okay. That's what I, I would say on that. You're okay. kind of stopping and doing a static block from right. there. Okay. Right. And then the two-step inside cross and fly is what I call it. I, I don't know. There's probably a better name. Yeah. Inside cross where you're going just to take the either a small jab step to your right and then one inside cross and then you're jumping off of that foot and flying off of one foot off of one flying foot and, and flying. flying horizontal yes and so i call that the two-step inside cross and fly okay okay and then shuffle 
times two, times one, times three, you know, depends where you are. And then I've seen a lot of this one. This is the best intro to it, I say. Run and jump stop. Just run there. Just run to wherever the set is, jump stop, get ready, block. So those are some options. And we want them to have all different ones like that. So whenever the set is slightly different, they can, you know, use whatever footwork feels the best to them. And then we'll train different patterns. Good stuff. I like it. Now, the eyes are critical too right and they need to know what to look at and so closing the block um, is really comes down to can they take the information from their eyes and from maybe some information they got from the bench or maybe in between plays or maybe like through the match you know as as information comes their way and then process that and so they get quicker to whoever's getting set the ball right so first obviously we're just going to go through this real quick i think everyone's heard this but ball which is the path check the path then check right. the hitter routes okay. okay so when we check the ball let's slow down so the first one there are some different options there right yep what so, are those options so the three simple ones are on off and over okay i okay. like it but there's also front and back okay you know which will you know a lot of times determine who becomes more likely to get set right right and then from there you're going to look at the hitter routes okay and Based on the ball, you may adjust your positioning. Different coaches say, hey, hold in the middle, or we're going to kind of jump in front of the blocker or the opposing middle blocker. Um, so you may adjust your position. You may just hold and see those things. Right. Right. And then ball set and, and you're gone. But before that, you want to recognize a few things. The hitter routes, what are they running? Right. And um, I've heard about a couple cool ways to do this. One is taking your eye off the ball briefly to look at the opposing middle, right? Because that's the quickest thing. And then the other one I heard um, Faluka does is she just would look straight. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I heard uh, Coach Dunning talking about this where he would, she would just look straight to the back and she could pick up everything in her peripheral. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, if you have kids that can do that, I think you can get a lot of information. Yeah. So uh, then obviously the setter's hands. Now, this is the critical piece, right? So the big thing is where the palm is facing. If the palm is facing down, the ball is going to be set outside. You cannot set back with the palm that's facing down, right? So your palm needs to rock up or and back to be able to set back. So we're really looking, do the thumbs come forward? And we're also looking for the position on the head. So if it's out in front of them, it, they can set back if the thumbs come way far forward. It's just more difficult. Right. But but. Again, this is going to give us a lot of information. So you're combining the, the position on the head with the hand position on the ball. And I. But it's hard to see that from the side, though, sometimes. Right? It absolutely. So is. if you're looking straight on, you can see the hands a little easier. Yes, absolutely. But when you're looking at the setter from the side and in the middle blocker view. Right. Yeah, you can see the thumbs real well right. and you can see the forward back, right. but not so much the side right. to side. So, and so seeing the setter's hands and then. Um, seeing that set and then just going as fast as you can to the hitter and then like you said there's different strategies should you reach into the seam should you go straight over yep and uh there's different places and what times. do you do i don't like reaching into the seam i haven't played hitters that necessitate that often enough to have my team get good at doing it let's put it like that does that make yeah, sense like well, when we reach I, in the seam we're bad well right now, my team i just i think you have to have a certain physicality that's to when you see big kids reaching into the seam, they're still above the net. 
Yes. And yes. I get my middle blockers, and once they're reaching at all, they start going under the net. So it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> when right. you reach, you're not blocking anything because right. they're just not high enough. Yes. And I think if you, it's almost like you want them to be really athletic and just fly, but you also want them to be disciplined with what they do. So, you know, I feel like when you say you can reach, a lot of the times they end up reaching backwards and not sealing the net, even if they are above the net. So I don't know. I'm still working on that part. Of it. But right now I say, I say to them, expose a clean seam. That's what I tell them. Go straight over. At, when the hitter's arm starts to come forward, you're, you're up strong and you're sealing and we're exposing a clean seam. That's what I'm trying to tell them okay. if they can't get in front of them. So, um, and then I last thing real quick is I think traditionally it, it would be like big first step and then small second step. Yeah. But now like it's going small first step and then big into your last two steps and i found our my athletes move faster with the second one yep. so so that's that is uh yeah, yeah completely different than what i used to teach and uh, me too good reminder that stuff's changing all the time and we can get better absolutely now there's a ton more to it um closing like the only thing I'll, I'll leave it with is a lot of times you will actually crash into the the pin blocker and that's good as long as you're crashing safely and it's it's almost like a reverse chest bump where i'm back bumping you and turning away from you and we're going to roll our backs towards one another okay so that's, that's one interesting all about. right yeah so i like it anyways we could do a closing the block 2.0 i think because there's a ton to it but i dedicate someone to just this one thing in matches because it is so important you know and they need they need it and yep. so anyways. and hey the one thing we didn't talk about is i'm trying to make a concerted effort to do a better job teaching hands what the hands look like over the net. Great because point. you're talking about closing the block and especially you know, beginning blockers, you know, their hands are together a lot. And I'm Such looking at point. video and I'm seeing they're blocking the six inch, they're, the hitter's not gonna hit in that six inch because that's where their hands are, <laughs> that six inch place where their hands are on top of each other. Right. Any place else is gonna be a kill, right. but that's six inches, boy, we have that color. Strong. <laughs> No, that's a good point. Yeah, and just taking some space. Now, now what about thumbs up or fingers up? Have you heard anything about this? Because I used to always say thumbs up, thumbs to the moon. You know, you take some more space with thumbs to the moon. And just lately, I've been hearing that when you block, it, you actually end up doing more fingers up anyway. So just tell them to point their fingers up, but obviously safe and kind of back like that. Good question. We got Coco joining the pod. <laughs> Coco's cool. She can join the pod. <laughs> that's, hey, that's the perks of living at the beach, right? Awesome. So, so we got the special guest. We got the special, special guest. guest. No, so, I don't know that. Uh, I, yeah, I guess I have the thumbs up a little bit. I, my, my new cue is small to big. Okay. So I want I, like the, I want their their hands inside, whether they're swinging or not. I want their hands coming up inside their body line, and then going kind of big and outside their body. Oh, I like that. So it's small to big, and a lot of them like to be here, into this real big where their their elbows are out at you know ninety degrees, and they have like they're blocking this big area, yes. and then they come into six inches. Totally, <laughs> that's such a good point. And I just like the idea of having this term hand path. Like, what is your hand path? And right. just putting that in their mind, right. literally. And just what do your hands look like when they're over the net blocking? Because that, yes. that is really what blocking is. You know, yes. all the footwork, all the, everything else. But what do your hands do when they yes. go over the net? Yeah. So, anyway. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like it. Yeah. Closing the block. Closing the block. So what's our scenario for today? Scenario. 
My team has no leaders. We oh, have no. no leadership, Davis. Oh, no. What do we do? That's a tough one. What do we do? I don't have any leaders. Okay. Well, of course you don't have any leaders. They're 13 and yeah. they're 13 year old kids. <laughs> they shouldn't be leaders. They're 13 years old. Right. So here's, here's the thing with, uh, first of all, my first question to any coach saying, you know, we just don't have any leaders on our team would, I would be, is it true? Right. Is it true? What is going on as far as the leadership on your team? And do you have a good handle on that? Because oftentimes your setter, your libero, your best player, if it's an outside hitter or a middle blocker, there's some leadership going on there. Uh, you might not like it. It might not be great leadership, right. but there's some leadership. It's not equal right. amongst everyone on the team. Okay, that's a good point. And so my first, what is going on and do you know what's going on? And if you don't know what's going on, then you got to find out before you start teaching it because okay. you don't know where you stand. That's a very good point. You can't say yeah. there's no leadership. No, there's yeah. some leadership. It might right. not be what you want, right. but there's some leadership. Right. Okay. That's a very good point. Next, captains. Do you okay. believe in them? Uh, there are pros and cons, and club and high school may be different. I'm a huge fan of captains for high school. Mm -hmm. When I had club, I wasn't as big a fan as captain for captains. But a couple pros and cons, uh, pros for captains, you build on leadership that's already there. So for my high school mm -hmm. team, you know, I've mentioned this before, we vote on captains at the end of our season. Right. And everybody votes, and we announce it at the banquet, and I start working with those captains right now getting ready for our fall season. Right. So there's things we can do in the off season to prepare. A couple right. of those I'll talk about. And it sort of has a snowballing effect because you've already taught them some leadership in the past and or these kids were voted to be great leaders. They were voted by their teammates. So right. something's gone on with them. That makes them think and that they I don't have to, you know, I don't have to, and it's a, it's an honor in our program. Right. And then they get extra training. That's cool. And so, hey, it's just like, hey, my, I, I don't expect my, I might not expect my middles to have the defensive skills that my libero has. And I don't expect everybody to have the leadership skills that these captains have. Okay. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to try to teach everybody everything, right. but uh, what's going to make a difference in the match? Not okay. my middles serve receiving necessarily, unless right. they're passing short or something. Right. Okay. So secondly, a communication conduit between team and coach. And the older I get, the more I have to be very cognizant that I don't know what the hell's going on <laughs> and that I need help. Yes. Well, and so. that if there are kids that I can talk to and help me get information that I can use to make better decisions, the better. Right. I like that. Okay. Now the con, there are the reasons not to have captains. The wrong captains can destroy your culture. Yeah. And if you have, you know, kids that, you know, are horrible as far as their uh, uh, modeling right. mm -hmm. and their bad examples, then that's not what you want. And you go, wait a minute, that's what our program's about. These kids doing this. No, that's not what we want. So that can be a con. And does naming captains allow everyone else to abdicate responsibility? Going, oh, well, they're the leaders. I don't have to do anything. That's a good point. And too. so a lot of coaches will say, hey, Everybody on my team's a leader. And I would probably argue for me, well, everybody's a serve receiver too. 
right? <laughs> but when it's when it's right. sixteen fifteen in the third or the right. fifth, you want your libero or hopefully one of your serve receivers passing. Right. <laughs> You're not putting your middle back. There's up. a spectrum. <laughs> There's yeah. a, right. It doesn't mean we're not teaching everybody everything. Right. And it doesn't mean sometimes, hey, short serve, they got to pass the ball. Right. So Great point. Yeah. Uh, whether or not you have captains, if you want great leadership, it's like anything. You have to spend some time. To, it's got to be Preference. deliberate. You have to teach it. How are you teaching it and what are you doing? Okay. So here are a couple things uh, for that I do. Number one, use a leadership resource. And there are a million out there. There are books and there are videos and there are, there's so much leadership stuff out there. Uh, I use the uh, Team Captain's Leadership Manual by a guy named Jeff Jansen. It's a great one. And my captains, we read it in three sections, and then we have a meeting after each section, and the players have to come back to me and basically tell me, hey, what resonated with you in there, in mm -hmm. the reading? Okay. And so they're pulling out what they saw, trying to relate it to situations they've seen in the past with teams they've been on, okay. what might be you know, best practices, and what might be practices maybe they want to avoid as captains, too, okay. because those are important. Okay. Uh, and once again, it doesn't have to be a whole book or anything. It can be cliff notes. You know, I have notes right. a lot for book and you can, hey, if it's club, maybe it's a one sheet of paper. Hey, these are the things I want you to go home and think about and then come into me. Give me two examples you've had of your experiences going through some of this. And so they're choosing kind of from this menu of what you give them. Okay. Uh, and cool. the, the Jansen book is pretty cool. It's divided into two parts. Part one is leadership by example and talks about the four C's, uh, yes. commitment, confidence, composure, character. Nice. It's hard to argue with any of those. Those are great. Yeah. And then the next one is the vocal leader. And everybody's not a vocal leader, right. but there's this idea of being a servant. Yes. And then being a confidence builder, a team builder, and then lastly, the one that is the toughest for all the captains, of course, is the enforcer. Yes, the enforcer. Okay. And I've tried to really play down the enforcer probably. In the old days, I used to be, hey, you have to hold your teammates accountable. And now I'm more now, hey, let's be a great model. Have your thumb on the pulse. If there are things that are way out of line that you feel like you, you can't get into, that's my job. Okay. And let's work on it together. And how are we going to approach this if we have somebody who's veering off the bus or, you know, stepping off, you know, right. hanging out there, ready to jump off, <laughs> whatever's going on with them. Okay. Uh, cool. Hey, the concept of servant leadership, I think, is a big one. Uh, the idea of, hey, it's not this, oh, I'm the captain. I, I don't have to do this stuff. It's like, wait, I'm the captain. I do more than everybody. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, that's a great one. And... You know, the idea of, let's say, cleaning up or something, you know, hey, we had a yeah. captain this past year on my high school team. Oh, awesome. You know, we had Sid and Audrey and you coached Audrey. Yeah. And Audrey was really good at, they both had very different strengths. Right. But Audrey was just so focused on things like just doing all this little stuff like cleaning up. So cool. like she'd be the last one in the gym, always cleaning up, giving her time, making sure that everything was there. And you look at her and you go, hey, that's the captain being a servant for the team. Right. That's good awesome. stuff. Yes. And then I think the, the other big idea is the idea of creating opportunities to lead. So okay. even if you're, if, if let's say you're a club coach and you say, okay, well, we're just going to, everybody's going to share this captain role, maybe halfway through the season, we're going to see and maybe see if we want to make some decisions about this, if that will help us or hurt us. And we'll make a decision there. Coin toss is an obvious one, right? Simple right. one. 
But I think it's one where players should know about it and teaching them, wait a minute, what are you going to do and why? Mm -hmm. And what if they, you know, you know, once again, sides kind of went out with COVID, but that can be something that some, you know, what are all the scenarios and do they know them? And are there times when they want to veer from maybe what you normally do? Are you a, do you take serve or receive? I usually take serve, okay. even though I know we side out at a higher percentage. I do the same thing, yeah. even though the numbers, uh, but I like having the ball. Yes, same. Yeah. And I feel like people are a little jittery sometimes at the beginning of the game and you can maybe get a sneak ace, something like well, that. Well, and I, I still wonder, even though our side out percentage and I would say, okay, well, how about our side out percentage against their server compared to their side out against our best server? Right. That's a good point. And yeah. so did that stat lie? Right. Uh, okay. Warm up. Is that something that you can have captains be in charge of? Uh, yeah. Refing assignments. I have captains always dealing with referee assignments. And we talk about that where, you know, hey, what is what do you want when you're running this? Do you want everybody to go, oh, I want book, I want book, I want book. <laughs> you know, and so right. instead of going, wait a minute, let's let them decide what to do and you do it and you, you spread the love yeah. and share all those tasks. Okay, I like that. That's a cool one. I didn't uh, think of That's distributing, cool. collecting handouts. So okay. if I hand something out to the team instead of me collecting them, oh, captains, hey, I want them, but I, I'm not going to take them until they're all there. Nice. Okay. So then they got to go collect them and they go, I don't, we don't, I don't have them all. Like, oh, you don't have them all. What, what happened? You know. So then it's the right. kind of the captain. They have to go lean on that person. Like, hey, you didn't, you didn't do the assignment. I like that. You didn't get it in. That's a good one too. Like okay. What we do at our high school is we have some off-season strength work. I don't do any of that. Captains, it's all volunteer. Captains set that up, and so they learn a little bit. And that's a tough – it's a really oh, tough yeah. in the off-season for them because they're playing club and they're doing all this stuff. They, they don't want to do it. Uh, and once again, we keep it super mellow. But even keeping it super mellow is tough. Yeah. It's a tough assignment. So what I want them to experience is some uh, – a little stress that this isn't going to be easy. That right. It's not like, oh, I'm the captain. Right. And so wait a minute. It's not going to be, it, things aren't always going to be, you're going to say, oh, hey, we're going to do this. Sounds great. We're going to be together and do this thing. Right. And then two people show up. Right. And that happens. Yes. And they have to deal with it. That's cool. Uh, counting, scoring, and drills. Can you put a captain on each side and, and put them in charge of that? That's a good one too. I didn't uh, so things like that. Yeah. And then what does it look like in a match uh, with body language? Uh, communication with teammates. What does that look like during the match, especially during the tough times? Right. Okay. Huddle maintenance. You know, I'm a huge oh, yeah. huddle guy. But that's a good one. Okay. That's a good use of the yeah. timeouts. Yeah. So okay. I'll be on the sideline and I'll be in that. Hey, I'm going to call a timeout now or wait one. And I'll ask my captain, you want it now or you want to wait? And a lot of times they'll say, wait, and we'll <laughs> score the point. Oh, hey, good decision. Right. Once again, then it's not me. It's not, oh, the coach did that. I catch them doing it right. It's rather empowering. Than me. Yeah. yeah. For sure. And then post-match meeting. And then, hey, this were the things going on out there that I didn't see, you know, what was going on? Am, am I on, you know, is every play, am I missing things with some players because my eyes aren't there? This is what I saw. Are, are you getting the same vibe when you're on the court? That's so cool. So that's it for uh, teaching leadership. And hopefully uh, they get a little better in the season, just like they get a little better passing, they get a little better leading. That's so cool. And, and 
It's awesome. I, I love it. That's a lot. That's a lot. And we're going to get into a little bit more leadership stuff eventually and have some debates and stuff as far as maybe having captains or not. But I mean, you can tell you're teaching leadership. It's wonderful stuff. So let's get on to the videos here. What do you we have? we do have a few videos that were locked in for uh, talking about closing the block, right? So the first one is blocking and it is Keegan Cook and Chris Tomas. And these guys know Closing the Block. They have a great video on there. Uh, on, this is on YouTube, and these will be available in the show notes. Um, we also have one from Ohio State. Men's blocking stuff is pretty superior in, in a lot of ways to the women's, just because it's such a critical part of the game. They spend so much time on it. They got a great video from Ohio State. And then I also have upgrade, upgrade Your Block Position. This is featuring Rachel Adams, sort of a, a quick hitter, only three minutes, 30 seconds. So Quick hitters. Are, I love quick them. Hitters, those will be available in the show notes. So right. what is our resource? We so got our just resource a short is, we already talked about it, and it's mm -hmm. the Jeff Jansen Leadership, uh, Team Captain's Leadership Manual, Jeff Jansen. The link will be in the show notes. He also has another one for team captains called Team Culture for Team Captains. Okay. So two of those, Jeff Jansen has some books. I would recommend them. I we recommend use them too. We use them every year. Yeah, I do too. And it's good stuff. That's absolutely. Well, what a great pod. We talked about closing the block. We talked about not having any leaders yep. on your team, right? And then we said, well, who does? If you do, you count yourself lucky, right? And there's a process for how to develop them, right? And then we also will have some videos in the show notes and our resources, the Team Captain's Leadership Manual. Once again, Good awesome stuff, pod. Davis. Awesome. Right Thank see you. you. See you next week. See ya.